You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are in a sermon series called Stand Firm. We are going through the book of 1 Peter. Uh, we're doing a couple weeks here in 1 Peter. It's a letter at the end of your Bible of the Apostle Peter, who was walked with Jesus, talked to Jesus for two to three years. Um, he now is older, and he's writing letters to his church with his um, his imminent death coming. He, he knows. In fact, church tradition tells us that his wife has probably likely already been killed for her faith, and so he is uh, writing letters to his church. And the church is undergoing lots of difficulties. They're scattered all over the place. There's no centralizing nation. There's no centralizing building. There's no centralizing identity except Jesus, and he wants to write to them to encourage them. So I just said the Apostle Peter. I always have slides. Uh, He's older, in charge of his church, passing along wisdom before he passes on. I just said all this. Skip this. Skip ahead 30 seconds into the future. Today's passage comes from 1 Peter 2. 2 through 10. I want to take some moments to read that. That always can be a little bit of a slog, just reading a big section. I've tried to trim it down a little bit. And then we're going to pull three points out of that and move on. We have some questions to discuss. Here's what Peter writes to his church. Like a newborn baby, desire the pure milk of the word. Nourished by it, you will grow into salvation since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now you are coming to him, Jesus, as to a living stone. Even though this stone was rejected by humans, from God's perspective, it is chosen, valuable. You yourselves are being built like living stones into a spiritual temple. You are being made into a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Last slide here. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession, who have become this people so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. Once you weren't a people, but now you are God's people. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know how I preach head, heart, hands, or sometimes I use no feel, do, same thing. Something for us to know, something for us to experience or feel in here so that then it can be made real and out into the world with our hands so that we could do something with this. And what do I think Peter wants us to know about God, about the faith, about church, about who we are? This is what he says to us. Your problems don't get to define you. God's perspective does. Your problems don't define you. God's perspective does. Hear me out. Peter's talking to a church going through a hard time, right? They are scattered. They are persecuted. They're feeling like things should be better. They're following Jesus. They're doing the right thing. They are following the Lord of the universe, but things are hard. Peter reminds them of Jesus' story first. He says, even though this stone, Jesus, was rejected by humans, from God's perspective, it is chosen and valuable. You yourselves are being built like living stones. By reminding us of Jesus' story, the only perfect human being to ever walk the earth, and reminding us that Jesus also suffered, that Jesus also went through problems, he's, he's reminding us that, that this, is, this is the pattern of the world. That people who do right, people who do right by God, live righteously, they are going to experience problems. You are not experiencing problems because something's wrong with you. You're not experiencing problems because you're doing something wrong. You're experiencing problems because the world persecutes holy things and the people of God, including Jesus. He's saying if Jesus faced problems, we can be sure that we will too. And here's a little saying that I like to think about when I read First Peter. As Jesus was suffering 
cross, persecution, rejection. So you are now. As he was, so you are. As Jesus is, risen, exalted, glorified, so you will be. So who are you in this passage? Who are you? Peter reminds us, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. We still have a little bit of a journey to go on. Stick with me. But he's giving us identity markers about who you are. And he borrows these words of Moses that Moses spoke to the Israelites wandering around in the desert. And he gives these words to his church. Moses reminded his people that their problems didn't, don't, and didn't uh, define them, that God's perspective did. And Peter uses those words to talk to his church to say that their problems don't define them. God's perspective does. And the word of God speaks to you today, saying that your problems don't define you. Even though you're likely in a wilderness, this is new territory for literally almost everybody, and it's not territory that you want to be in for a very long time. It's hard. It's not normal. It feels like survival. It's wilderness. It's desert. And do you see what God speaks to you in the wilderness? Like Moses to the Israelites, like Peter to his scattered church, like us now. He says, you're chosen. He says, he says you're royalty, divine royalty. He says that you're priests. He says that you're holy. He says that you're God's own people, God's own possession. That's what defines you, not your problems, God's perspective. So the, oh, hey, I just said this. Hey, That's what we, defines you. Before we ask the question, can I put you on the spot a little no. bit? <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious about the word race there, cho- uh, chosen race. Do you think... Because my brain instantly goes, maybe that's how we should define our race, of just being a people yeah. that God you know, has chosen. The word is ethnos. We get our word ethnicity from it. And, and so obviously he's borrowing this from Israelite, who, was, who is the Jewish people, its religion and its race. Um, but I think a better translation for us would just be a people, that we are chosen okay. as a people group, as people who, and that people group is defined— by Jesus, which, G, which Peter, and I'm going to get to this, is being very radical, right? Because it's no longer defined by blood, this chosenness. Right. It's defined by following Jesus or not, which means it's open to everybody and anybody. And that's not even the See, most I knew radical. You'd know. <laughs> uh, so that identity that God speaks over you, that's your identity. That defines you, not the world, not your problems, not the worst self, not your sins, not your past, not your ambition or your laziness, as some of us <laughs> are struggling with. Amen. God's perspective. So I'm going to put my people on the spot. First question, hard one. Where's your wilderness this week? Where's that desert that maybe you need some of this perspective about your true identity being spoken into it? And as a gentleman, I will let you all go first. <laughs> um, well, just for me, it's been health issues in my uh, for my parents. You know, it's. I know that there's a lot of um, young families in our church, and part of being a young family is uh, being uh, a millennial. Um, for a lot of, we have a lot of millennials. For being a millennial, it's a weird transition into being um, the one who maybe helps take care of aging parents, because uh, they're used to being the ones that take care of us. And so it's hard to see my parents struggling um, and, and my dad with his uh, battle with cancer and then um, 
also breaking news flash. Uh, something <laughs> my wilderness actually might have come about an hour before we started our service today. My mom on Mother's Day, my mom actually fell, dropped a glass, um, and the glass cut her shoulder. So she's actually in the emergency right uh, room right now, getting staples yeah. and getting an MRI um, to see there's no glass in there. And so. Um, I was like, what? I thought it, when my sister called, it was like April Fool's. And it's just the hits kind of keep on coming a little bit yeah. um, as far as my parents' health goes. Yeah. And uh, and so I think, sh- you know, she's going to be okay. She'll hopefully leave here this afternoon and we can spend a little bit of Mother's Day time with her. But, yeah. um, man, it was a little, just a little bit of like instant wilderness there uh, yeah. and a reminder that, you know, we all um, are headed that direction, right? And hopefully we can live a long, wonderful life like they have, and they've got years to go. But um, it's it's a tough transition into that, and yeah. it kind of feels a little bit lonely and yeah. a little bit hard, and it reminds us of our mortality. And um, so anyways, that's kind of where my heart is right now, and I'm I'm just, yeah, it's just rough. It's, <laughs> it's a new space. It's uncharted territory. It's wilderness as you yeah. move into that. But that it's all in God's hands and that God has a plan and yeah. that God can rescue illness yeah. and... Um, that God can heal illness, but he can also teach us lessons through um, the ones that we love being ill. And so I'm just holding on to God having a plan. Before Miranda, before you share, can we just take 10 seconds and pray for your mom? Is that cool? Love that. Pray with us. Father, we thank you for this time that we can come. We pray that you would uh, be with Ellen now, who is currently in the emergency room. May she receive treatment quickly. Um, May the damage be minimal. May your hand be healing her as we speak, and may you be with her medical staff who is um, fixing her up so that she can come home and celebrate the rest of the day with her family as an incredible, beautiful mother to an amazing family. Um, Bless her, heal her, keep her safe. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you, Mom. Um, Oh, man. Okay. So I think for me, the wilderness, as for probably a lot of you, has just been the whole being at home uh, part of it. So I'm a, again, I'm going to throw this out there, but I'm an Enneagram 3. I'm a doer. I'm also an extrovert. So I don't do, which, and I don't do well being at home. I don't do well um, in that, which is the odd part about it for me, I think, is I'm around my kids. So I have six children. (laughs) Uh, so I'm definitely not alone, but it feels <laughs> so lonely. Right, like um, to just not have my people. Yeah, trying to not like get upset about it, but um, it has just been an incredibly trying time. Yeah, yeah, it feels very lonely, and uh, I'm also a little bit of a um, <laughs> claustrophobic, so I don't like riding in elevators. I don't even like using the restroom with the door closed. <laughs> so that's a real intimate like. <laughs> detail about my life but I like just really don't like being confined so being told that I have to be confined to the four walls of my house is like (laughs) yeah I it's been a struggle as if you watched last week I was really struggling last week and so um continuing to struggle through that this week so that's some feels like some very uh wilderness desert loneliness for me absolutely especially when there's an invisible problem out there that doesn't feel like it's here, but we're still trying to, I mean, that's, it's just so hard. It's just really hard. 
Yeah, and it, it, it when you James texts us the questions so we can think a little bit beforehand, and it was like, well, this one's easy. We're all in jail, like <laughs> you know. And so I, I think that the community is feeling this too. And even before you said so, Miranda, Aaron says, my wilderness has been feeling alone, or like I'm the only one who is feeling this way. But it's not true. We are collectively going through this, and so many of us feel alone. And what I'm learning is that God is with each of us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, probably my wilderness or desert is I just keep thinking about my parenting, which I'm with the kids quite a bit in this season um, and taking on a bulk of that um, homeschooling and just feeling like I'm becoming more of a drill sergeant than a dad and like wondering what I mean, how much trauma I'm inflicting on my children and versus like how much good I'm trying to keep their like educational skills going. And it's, it's never either or, right. It's never, um, feels like I'm, it's either like, am I doing good or am I doing great? Um, or am I actually doing bad in the midst of trying to do well? And so just struggling with them and really wanting them to feel love without, um, every time I try to be friendly or loving without them pushing all the boundaries immediately. Um, and feeling like, you know, your kids know the level of anger that you have to express before they move. And I don't want to just jump right to that every time, you know, like I, I really, I would love for them to give me a little bit and I give them a little bit, but so I'm um, just trying to find ways to have fun and express love while also maintaining the boundaries and educational directives. And it just feels like a, I, I was not planning on being a homeschool parent and my kids were not planning to spend the rest of their, our kids, the rest of their school year at home um, on a computer um, and the and teachers weren't planning it either. Teachers weren't <laughs> p- teachers weren't trained on being online educators. Our, our kids that are graduating f- fifth grade, eighth grade, high school, like this is just it's been hard. So, uh, but our problems don't define us, right? Our problems don't get to speak to who we are. They are something that we go through. Their circumstances, but God's perspective is the one that's defining us. Mm-hmm. Is ultimately what's going on. So we don't have to let this present trouble be the one that speaks the loudest about who we are and who God thinks we are. What does Peter want us to feel or experience in them? There is so much he wants you to feel. He is in comfort mode. He wants you to feel like newborn babies. And so I'm I'm using it as a fresh start. There's redemption here. They're starting over. You get infinite fresh starts because the God that we serve is the God of new beginnings. And Peter wants you to know that you have new beginnings in Jesus. He wants you to feel nourished. He wants you to feel tasting the Lord's kindness. The word we use to taste and see the Lord is good. But the word there is actually krestos. It, it's kindness, which just hit me differently. It, taste the Lord's kindness. I, I, I need to have a picture of God's kindness this week, this season. Uh, Peter says that God is honoring you and that w- those of us who believe, there's no shame. There's no shame. But I, I want to narrow it down. There's one that's speaking to me. And again, go on this journey with me. Peter says that you are the place where God dwells. You are the place where heaven and earth meet. Look what he says. You yourselves are being built like living stones into a spiritual temple. You are being made into a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What is a temple? It's where God lives. It's where heaven and earth meet. It's where people come to meet with God, to have their sins absolved, to be in right relationship with God, to, to, to move closer to where God is. What is a priest? It's someone who helps facilitate encounters with God and to help people experience in real life God's presence in that box called a temple. In, in ancient Judaism, the priesthood was restricted to men only and men only from the tribe of Levi. 
And the temple was in one city, Jerusalem. And if you wanted to go to where God lives, many people had to travel great distances over long periods of time. Maybe two, three times a year you got to go. Maybe one time a year if you live far away. Peter radically uses this language and concept and says that you're it. Speaking to his church full of slaves and women and children, he calls them priests and temples. And he says that to you too. He calls you a priest. He calls you a temple. You are where God dwells. You are where heaven and earth meet. You are the priest in your community. In this time of being, we, we call this, uh, the, this comes out of the 1500s, Martin Luther, the priesthood of every believer. We believe this uh, as people who follow Jesus. Everybody has a bit of priest in them. And in this time of being scattered, like Peter's church time, and separated, they didn't have a centralizing building. He calls them the temple. And he calls them priests because people need to experience the Jesus who dwells in you as the thin space between heaven and earth, where heaven touches earth, where sins are forgiven, where shame is dispelled, and light floods the darkness. You are a a temple, a mobile temple that goes everywhere and reveals the wonderful acts of God, that reveals the Jesus that we follow and, and gets to act in the sense of a priest and helping facilitate your neighbors, friends, and family around you, meeting God, experiencing the Lord, having their sins forgiven, and light flooding their life. So I want to ask you all, what's your smile for, Matt? How do we church when there's no church building? Biddling. Oh, did I? <laughs> Bid, biddling. Sorry. <laughs> I hate to point it out. Oh. But that's what my smile is for. Yes, I appreciate it. We don't, Yeah. No one uh, edits these. They get done at like two in the morning. So, <laughs> so especially when there's no church build biddling. Uh, I don't know if any <laughs> church has a biddling. <laughs> um. So I think how do we church? We church. I don't know. This might be skirting around the question entirely. But I think for me, um, I definitely was really struggling last week about how me specifically how I am doing God's work out there when we can't meet and I can't see the people and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so I have been really trying to intentionally see that in folks in our community this week. Um, and the one way that I saw it play out was in a group that was created on Facebook. So I guess it's like across the nation. I don't know. There's more of it, but it's this group where, um, women are supporting women, women are getting together and delivering gifts to each other. Yeah. Um, and one gal, I won't say any names or anything, but she decided to uh, not create this, not be a part of the bigger, bigger group that's all over the nation, but create a little one here for Orville. Yeah. Um, and it was just crazy. I don't even remember what day it got started, but it was like in a 48 hour period, there was like 400 women that had joined this group. Yeah. And since then, because the whole idea is that as you are blessed, you will bless someone else. Yeah. Um, and so she shut it off because 400 women uh, were like needing to share gifts with each other, you know, whatever. It was getting overwhelming. Yeah. And I think she said last night that there are like 1,100 women still waiting to oh my gain God. this From group. our community. Yeah. Exactly. In our community, just in Orville. So it's just crazy. And I think the couple things I gathered from that, number one, people are craving connection. Yes. People are craving connection. Um, want to feel like they're not in this alone. Want to feel like somebody else gets it. And I just love this. Um, 
It is not at all church related. It is not at all uh, has any religious denomination. It is just great uh, and people loving on people. But the other thing I got from that, um, oh man, was just ideas about how creative ways to be with people um, and not have to be with people. So essentially um, I've taken that and run with it a little bit. And as I see things that remind me of folks that I love, I've just been purchasing those items yeah. and delivering to them <laughs> to their doorsteps. I don't know about uh, anybody else, but my my credit card's getting used <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, so. yeah. So um, they're just I don't know some tangible yeah. ways to still say I love you and I see you and I miss you, uh, but not have to be within six, ten, whatever feet of these folks. So, anyways, I'm loving that. That's uh, great. I'm very grateful for folks in our community that are doing things such as that. We believe at the table, and just as Christians, that the Holy Spirit is always active in everyone's life, inside the church or out. So I think that's a great picture of church. Um, For us, it was probably the biggest blessing of this time uh, with uh, being church without a building was just um, on one of our Wednesday night Zooms, and it was just uh, Julianne and I and uh, Bonnie. And I know, Bonnie, you're you're definitely watching because you participate in as much as you can. But it was just... uh, it was like, oh well, there's not a lot of us, but you know. And then it, and then we started getting talking. It was like so good to talk to Bonnie and what incredible story she has and what an incredible loving person she is, and to get know to know more about her. And honestly, we see each other on Sunday mornings, and it may be a minute here or two, but to spend a solid, you know, half hour talking. Um, it was a huge blessing, and afterwards it was kind of like, you know, maybe maybe that might not have happened <laughs> if we didn't have an online thing to do, and, and, a, and it was a phone call, and uh, basically uh, a phone call, and you could see our face, um, and so uh, I think it's a reminder, it's a stopgap to use all this technology is just a total stopgap, and it is not nearly as good as being in real life together. Um, but it can it can satiate some of the hunger for connection, and so um, just yeah. shameless plug. Join us on Wednesday night if you if you want to get some connection. It is not like meeting in real life, but it may uh, give you some a little bit just to help you get through the week. Um, I'll so let, I'll let you check Facebook for um, bwiddling questions. Uh, for me, I got to spend the week really talking with other pastors. I probably four or five, six meetings this week talking to the pastors. And just seeing their heart and how broken it is for the community and how much they long to be with their people. Um, I'm talking locally. I'm talking about at the table. I'm talking about regionally. Uh, I'm just seeing pastors across the board. Um, I mean, this is what they've given their life to is facilitating worship, connection, family, community. And so um, it was life-giving to me to see how much they deeply care about their people and how much they're concerned for them and worried for, for all of us uh, being without connection. And so um, just seeing that desire, that hunger, that heart, uh, was it felt like Jesus, a Jesus moment, holy moment for me. Misty says, ah, yes, Miranda, you sneaky lady. I love you and see you and miss you too. And then Gary uh, says, the morning devotional uh, James leads is, a bl- is my blessing. I totally agree. If you are not watching those, man, it is, uh, it's been two reasons it's been excellent for Julianne and I, and he gets embarrassed when I give him props. But uh, it's been good because it gets our day uh, not started. We're awake before then, but it just kind of root add some routine to the day that we're going to start the day with the Lord. And James just does these, I mean, they're excellent. So, um, be encouraged to watch those. I um, will. Anyways, you, you and Gary and Julianne, you're $5 later. 
what does Peter want us to do in all of this? Two things with our hands. First one is to speak your story. Uh, that's supposed to say your man. The typos get more <laughs> as the slides go on. It's closer to 2 a.m. <laughs> speak your story. That's true. And read God's word. Hear what Peter says uh, about the outcome of your incredible identity. This, these identity statements that God is speaking over you about being temples, priests, royalty, God's people. He says, you are a chosen people. You have become this. This is your identity because so that. You may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. You have a story to tell. Jesus has done something in your life. And Peter's encouraging you that when you grow into this identity, speak that story. Peter tells us, once you were a people, but now you, uh, once you weren't a people, but now you are God's people. Once you were in darkness, but now you live in God's amazing light, he tells us. You are the royal children of God in whom God dwells and delights. Now God is asking you to be the mobile temple that displays the wonderful acts of God in your community. Not a building. Hey, I spelled that one right. Someone has to travel long distances to go to. Spelled that one wrong. Uh, But you are walking around displaying the wonderful acts that God has done in you and through you. That's the outcome of you living into your true identity as the royal holy person belonging to God. But where do we start? What's the other thing that Peter wants us to do? For those of us maybe just beginning, in fact, he says all of us are newborn babies. So how do we start so that we can get to that outcome as someone who is living the wonderful acts of God and displaying those to people around us? He says, like newborn baby, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may be nourished by it. You will grow into salvation since you have tasted that the Lord is good. I think the church puts this uh, passage on Mother's Day to remind us about babies. Um, when, my, when my child, my children came out uh, when they were born, um, they didn't know how to do anything except cry, right? And you put a child on a chest and they know instantly what to do. It's just nature instinct. They know to seek out nourishment. Peter is encouraging us to make God's word the pure milk of the word. Pure there is guileless, no strings attached. And, and he says desire. That's the, that's the emphasis. Desire God's word. Here's how I know uh, that I've messed my body up. Because when I get thirsty, I want a Coke Zero. When I get thirsty, Amen. I want carbs. Amen. I have messed my, I don't desire water, which is what my body needs. I desire soda or milk because water doesn't taste good. That, that is gospel truth. Um, but Peter wants you to learn, to relearn like newborn children, to desire the thing that is going to make you grow, that is going to nourish you, which is God's word. And you're going to be tempted to desire other things. For many of us, it's just vegging out in front of Netflix. For many of us, it's, I don't know, sleep or caffeine, working hard or caffeine, whatever it is that we think is going to help us get through. But there's a way in which we can reshift our desires, which the Holy Spirit wants to heal in us so that we can learn to desire the true thing that nourishes us, which is God's word. So how do we get to that identity where we're living God's wonderful acts and displaying those to the world around us? Um, You are all those things that God says about you, but you are new to it like a baby and you need milk. You need that thing that nourishes you. And so uh, the milk is God's word. You need to be reading God's story, God's life-giving word to you. 
which nourishes us, nourishes us and reinforces over and again who God is and who we are in Christ. More personal question to you all. You all have been on a journey of getting serious about reading God's word daily and going deeper with it. How is that shaping you? How is that helping you? Um, how is that nourishing you? Go for it. Well, I want to start because I want to give props to Miranda and Aaron. They're the ones who turned me on to the Daily Audio Bible. Um, it's a podcast, downloads each day. Um, it's excellent. The guy that runs it is really good. He does these little tiny short uh, dissections of what's going on, and then a quick prayer. And I'll be honest, I usually don't listen past that. I don't listen to the announcements or their, you know, and hopefully I don't get in trouble for that. Um, but he's uh, cultivated a digital community and uh, I have, we have our community, so I usually pour into that more than theirs. But um, he is excellent, and it's been really good in giving me the scope of Scripture. Usually when I'm reading Scripture, it's like little chunks, and it's the hits. You know, I like the, I, I just, Gospels over and over, and uh, a few Paul letters, and I'm good. And so um, it's good to get the scope of Scripture and to get uh, the Old Testament stuff. And um, it's really bolstered my, you know, because growing up in a church, you know you should do, especially if your pastor was George Lawrence, you know that you should worship, study, and pray. Mm -hmm. And so you know the things, right? And you know what you should be doing, and you know how to feel better. It's like... Uh, my body feels bad. Well, eat better and go to the gym. It's like, hello, it's the stuff. Um, but sometimes it's hard. It's hard to get yourself to do it, and it's hard to, to, to feel it. And so that's what kind of the nice thing about this daily uh, audio, And because I, I, my mind wanders when I read. So it's audio, it's daily, and it's just been good to give me the scope of Scripture. And I go back and I study, and I bother James with questions and all that stuff too. So... Um, but it's a thank you to Miranda because she was actually the one who uh, thank you to Aaron to it. So you, um, it's the whole Bible in a year too, right? Mm -hmm. It's uh, yeah, it's a uh, whole Bible in a year. I play it uh, on one point three speed. It takes me about fifteen minutes a day, and uh, I just listen to it. Try to listen to it every day. Um, COVID's been actually throwing that off a little bit. Um, but but uh, yeah, but yeah I try to listen to it every day, and yeah, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, same. Um, I again, COVID's been throwing it off for me for sure. Um, but what I am finding, it's funny how you were like, ha, I was just thinking of your analogy about like um, working out and things like that, because that's exactly kind of what I, f I feel like. And going back to James's sermon, I don't know if it was last week, a couple of weeks ago about like, but like going through a type of like pain yeah. um, and it's okay, or we think it's okay, it feels okay if it's for something. And I think for me lately, that's kind of what it's felt like because there's areas, there's scripture that has come to me, man, and it makes me just feel so, um, well, I, I definitely know that's what I was walking through last week of God was really speaking to me through scripture, through, um, you know, some of his other soldiers on this planet. And I just felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, um, but I didn't see a light out of that tunnel. And so for me I always lean into okay then I'm gonna fix it myself and so I definitely got away from getting back in the scripture because I was just racking my brain about how can I fix this how can yeah. I move forward how can I um and just getting really bothered by that but it wasn't until you know then I got back to the things that I really needed to do the nourishment yeah uh getting back into the word praying about it specifically okay God you're you're stirring in my heart yeah what is but what is it you want me to do like yep. I'm here I see you 
I feel you, but what can I do? And really, I think that's when God has always, for me, made some clarity in the situation is, is, is when I come back. Um, yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for testimonies. And Gary, Gary says, um, scripture, uh, provides him focus. I think that's really good. It narrows it down to really what's important. Yeah. If you've been around me long enough, you know, my story about scripture is that I I went to church and I found a a crazy, amazing community of people who loved each other genuinely and they liked each other and they spent time together. They were family. And that was so compelling to me. Um, But it wasn't until uh, I started reading scripture. I felt like I was behind all these kids, knew a bunch of stuff. And so I started reading my Bible every night. And it was there that I encountered Jesus in a real way, um, who dispelled a bunch of my ideas about who God is and what God appreciates and who's cursed and blessed. And um, Jesus invited me into the uh, faith. And it was through scripture reading that I really felt like uh, I, I encountered God in incredible ways. And I think that's the encouragement that Peter's giving us, that if we can learn to desire the good thing, the right thing, and that we can turn to that uh, in all ways, we will be reminded over and again who God is, the faithfulness of God, and who God calls us, uh, especially these giant identity statements that Peter has for us. Let's summarize this and wrap it up and move on to our next uh, uh, thing here with communion. Uh, the summary is, with, with, with our head, Peter wants us to know that you are not defined by your problems. Your problems don't get to define you. God's perspective about you does. And what he wants you to feel or experience is that you're being built into a spiritual temple. As the spiritual temple and priest of God, you are the ones in whom Christ dwells and delights. You are where heaven touches earth. You get to be that for the community around you, and you get to experience that for yourself. And what does Peter want us to do with our hands? Um, Some action steps from this. You get to be the traveling temple that proclaims the wonderful acts of God. Tell your story, uh, living the wonderful acts of God and displaying those to the world, and to read your word. For it is the nourishment you need to grow into the identity that God has proclaimed over you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. Thank you for these giant identity statements about who we are in you. That Moses spoke them to the desert wandering Israelites, constantly complaining, facing trials of many kind. Peter speaks them over to his church that is scattered without a centralizing country, city, um, ethnicity, a centralizing building or ritual. And your word speaks it over to us today, facing all kinds of different problems. We pray that that identity that you speak over us would be the primary voice speaking to us about who we are in you. The royal, holy, chosen children of you belonging to you. And out of that, we get to speak about the amazing things you've done. And we get to tell a story about how you rescued and redeemed us. Help us to stay grounded in your word which becomes a paradigm, which becomes the reality in which we judge all other realities. This kingdom thing, this is the real thing. Everything else is false in comparison. And Father, now as we move into a time of communion, would you uh, be present in the elements? Would your Holy Spirit be in them and in us so that we may come to this time and commune with you? You promised to meet us here, and so we come with all anticipation and expectation to meet you. May it be spiritual nourishment for our journeys. May it be spiritual nourishment for the decisions that we're making right now to follow you, to be grounded in your word, to be that temple to the community around us. 
We give you praise and thanks. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.